Busy, busy week for Home Run on Wheels. I'm super excited. Beginning with tonight at Busboys and Poets from 6 to 8, Arlington, Virginia, the Sherlington location. I will be doing a book signing uh, for the Home Run on Wheels book. And tonight's event will be co-hosted by Lutheran Social Services National Capital Area. And I am pleased to be joined today on the podcast by the Director of Family Services, Jennifer Cormany. Thank you, Jennifer. You're very welcome, Ron. Thank you for coming and joining us today. Can, can I call you Jen? Do you yeah. go by Jen? I go by Jennifer, but you can certainly. Oh, call okay. Me Jennifer. I'll call you Jennifer then. I'll I'll, I'll stick with Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, for people who don't know, tell us about Lutheran Social Services uh, NCA. What you guys do? How long you've been around? You know the whole spiel. So Lutheran Social Services of the National Capital Area, or LSS, NCA, we have been around now for 102 years as an organization. Oh, wow. And specific to the program that you are personally impacting, which is our Unaccompanied Refugee Minor Program, we have been in existence since 1980. So we've had the privilege of working specifically with youth who have come into our country, either from overseas or from Central America, for the purpose of being able to be connected to a foster family and be able to grow up in that foster home until they turn 20 and often extend their relationship with that family ongoing post-21. And so they learn many, a variety of skills as well as uh, the ability to become independent uh, for themselves. Our other services are adult, what we would note to be adult refugee services, which is really a family being able to be resettled in the U.S. And that is done through our refugee immigration services conducted in Maryland and Virginia and they have as well been in existence since the 1980s and they have a fabulous team that works with families who are coming here who need to address matters that are all family based around needs for just stability and housing, medical care, education, finances, anything you can think of that a family needs to come into the U.S. to become settled, their team and our Virginia and Maryland office work with them. How big is your coverage area? Uh, we actually are all throughout the metro area. So we are in the District of Columbia. And then in Maryland, we are predominantly in the, it's it's actually the office is located in Hyattsville, Maryland, which is in our Prince George's County surrounding the district. Okay. And we also extend into Montgomery County, which is another neighboring county. And in Virginia, in this jurisdiction, it's called Northern Virginia. So it's in the Arlington and Alexandria area. All right. And uh, do you know Rick? Uh, Rick Grimes in Alexandria? I do. I yeah. do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you are a watcher of The Walking Dead, huh? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. <laughs> Fear the Walking Dead debuted Sunday. Uh, exactly. The, the new season, yes. Sunday night. Yes. My yes. wife's birthday. Exactly. Uh, and if you're wondering where Patty is right now, uh, we're, we're recording this Monday afternoon in the LSS NCA office on Georgia Avenue in Washington, D.C. And Patty is working at one of the desks because, you know, she has a regular job. Well, kind of a regular <laughs> job because it is 100% remote, which is why we're able to do this. And it's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I, you'd love to work remotely, right? Like Absolutely. like like 100% of the time? Yes. How much, win -win. how much time are you out in the field with your uh, In my position? particular role, it is the least likely in the field okay. because the staff that do work in the field in my on my team are the ones who are really getting either it's from the perspective of 
recruiting and licensing foster families. And then we also have on the other end when our youth come into the agency and then they are placed in our foster homes, we have the social work team and our youth resettlement specialist who go into the homes. So they are consistently in the community as they are working with our families, either to obtain families to become licensed or in order to work with them to be able to maintain their placements and support them. Okay. And your community outreach director is named Dana Lee. Yes. And Dana has been my point of contact when we started this process a couple months ago, and Dana's been great. Why did you guys agree to, to, to partner with us when I reached out to you guys a couple months ago? We are, from the perspective of our team, we are always looking for greater opportunities for our youth to experience as they are coming from other countries. And one thing that I notice being a native Washingtonian as well and a fan of the Nationals team is that baseball is a great way to connect our youth to the community. So they come in with other interests often, and we just always want to continue to provide them opportunities here where they can become more connected, become more adjusted. So we wanted to have an opportunity for our families to join in the pastime of baseball as we're going to the game this Friday. Thank you for having us do that. Um, as well, then there's an opportunity for us to have in this, certainly in this climate and this community, the world of refugees and immigrants is is highly discussed and highly uh, addressed. And for my team in particular, the ability to get out that awareness and that understanding, such as at the book signing tomorrow night, is a great opportunity for us to voice our needs, which in many ways for us, it's always for more foster families. There are so many great families in and around our communities, and we'd like to have opportunities to just tell them another way in which they can help us, which is to become a parent of one of our youth mm -hmm. uh, through the foster care program. So it really, we're always trying to find, so yours became a great opportunity, Ron, that we would be able to be pair up with you to have the ability to talk about us while coming coming around with your book and having an opportunity for the book signing. Uh, so foster, the extension of needing more foster families is always an interest of ours to bring out into the community and bus boys and poets is a quality establishment i've heard nothing but good things about bus boys and poets they uh, are uh, bus boys and poets you know i did that last week too when we were, i said bus boys and poets bus boys and poets i did the same damn thing last week so anyway but <laughs> we've great. we've heard nothing but good things about that place and, they, and we're really looking forward to the book signing they are really quite um they've been in a they've been an established uh business in the district maryland and virginia for years now and they've always had social justice as their premise and their forefront so we're just so to know that you were going there for the book signing was just icing on the cake for us yeah and dana helped set that up too she she, she found the because i was looking at barnes and nobles and i asked her for suggestions for local bookstores mm -hmm. and i think stateside books was mentioned but mm -hmm. uh, but no we're excited to do busboys and poets uh, so you did mention you are a, na a native Washingtonian. Yes. Uh, as a D.C. native, you can address this. As I drove up here Friday to get the books that we had sent here, and then again today, you're driving through different neighborhoods. You see so much diversity in the city of Washington, D.C., and I think that it, the, the city is kind of a microcosm of what the entire country is supposed to represent. Yes. And with the refugees and the immigrants coming in here, they obviously are, play a huge role in that. It's just a shame that some folks in the federal government don't have the same views. Correct. Though so you said you're a Nats fan. Not as big of a Nats fan as your wife. Correct. Correct. She's but, a nightly watcher and often attendee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with these guys, I mean, there's no sport that's more American than baseball. Right. So what kind of impact can the... the 
the Nationals donation. You guys got 60 tickets, I believe, right? Yes. Okay. That's good, because that's what I've been saying. I wouldn't want to make sure I wasn't fibbing. <laughs> You're correct. Uh, but uh, you know, a, a donation like that, what kind of impact can it have on your kids and on your families? Well, it's one way, being that we are a nonprofit organization, we're always trying to find ways to extend to our families. So it is one, a gift of thank you to our families and our staff to be able to say this is hard work that we do every day and it's nice to be able just to go someplace that is as a free ticket will be to cater to us to be able to give us an opportunity to go to an event such and the Nat Stadium is is I think a beautiful stadium as well and it's located in downtown DC so I think the location of it the the appearance of it it's always a great place that people are always engaging with you so i think it will in in large crowd settings of course i think that is also another way that in getting our youth out and our families out to be able to experience just that sense of diversity in other settings such as the baseball game would be an opportunity um it's also just a nice way to have a good time i think the baseball i always know when i do go that it is a quite enjoyable to go to the nat stadium and one thing we've been stressing like all last year and going into this year is it's an opportunity for for these kids to just be kids yeah and not have to worry about some adult issues they might have to right have on, on a daily basis here's, right here, here's a, a few hours of reprieve from that right and be able to cheer for whatever whomever however um now I'm from Wisconsin. I will be wearing my Brewers stuff because they are playing the Brewers, which is, um, I mean, pretty fortunate for me that right. it's this weekend. Uh, so, so there will be a little bit of friendly rivalry too. I think that's often what I find also at Nats games is it's it's a nice way as most sports are uh, professional sports. I do find is that they are it has a nice rivalry to it, but a it's a it's a congenial but we're there to all cheer on for an activity that is really quite enjoyable so i think it will be really a good time for them yeah baseball some people say baseball is boring to watch on tv but i I have not met a single person who said baseball is boring to attend right right i would say that's why my wife can continue to watch it as well as see it in person and i'm just a see in person kind of gal (laughs) so it will uh she yeah she can watch it every night literally (laughs) <laughs> and the, I mean, I even though I will be wearing my Brewers stuff, I am my, both Patty and I are, and she's a Cardinals fan, but we are both very grateful to the Nats for for doing this, donating not only tickets to you but also the fa- Family and Youth Initiative for mm-hmm. Sunday's game. Nice, um, nice. So They're a great organization. Yeah, it, it, you guys do kind of two different things. So both of y'all co-hosting the book signing on Tuesday wasn't exactly in line with either organization's mission statements but and i tried to get something worked out with them but was wanted to do it saturday the 17th oh yeah just didn't work i couldn't find a bookstore that was either they either had something going on right or just didn't have the space so. right right a I'm, tuesday night in Sherlington would be lovely yes i i hope so i'm looking forward to it I, I hope any kind of bad weather doesn't deter people from coming out i think it's supposed to rain but uh, what are, what do you expect to gain from the book signing? Uh, again, that's Tuesday, August 13th. So tonight, if you're listening to this, we're recording this Monday afternoon. But if you're listening to this on Tuesday, and that was my computer, even though it's closed. Uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, it'll be tonight, 6 to 8, Washington D, or Arlington, Virginia, at the Busboys and Boats, Sherlington location. What do you want to get out of this event? What I'm hoping is that we have in the it's to gain more exposure in Virginia for our program. We have had what is called a child placement license, which gives us the opportunity to extend our 
youth to be able to live and be a part of families in Virginia, in Northern Virginia. So not only is it just to have an education around what efforts you have done about going around the country and the purpose you did with your book, at the same time, it will spark an interest, hopefully, for people to know that they could as well become a foster family as it is selective to the without getting too complicated in this, Ron, it gets selective to our license opportunity, meaning who, which jurisdictions we can do licenses with, meaning if it's in Maryland, D.C., or Virginia. And Virginia is one of our new, well, it is our newest one since November of 2018. We've had an opportunity to extend our services into Virginia. So our, as we are, have been privileged to have some great services, and we know the diversity and acceptance in Northern Virginia for refugee and immigrant families has expanded greatly over the years in which we've been in Virginia for our adult resettlement program. We wanted to have families get an opportunity to as well care for our youth in the unaccompanied refugee minors program as they are truly, as the title says, unaccompanied refugee minors. So they're not coming with siblings or families or cousins or whomever. They really are in need of a family to care for them selectively for them as individuals. So we, we were, we're just excited to have another platform in which to be able to say we are a program that if your family is seeking out an opportunity to foster or to care for another or to volunteer here we are and you could assist us and we're asking people to bring items to donate uh what so i it's like toiletries and gift cards but can you be a little more specific as far as like what is actually needed for our youth when we consider that we are moving them into a level of independence i know it is sort of the for the 20th and 21st century the gift cards really are a way that it can be individualized to the youth meaning if it were gift cards to target walmart any of the grocery stores that at the point we we hope that they are at the point of what we'll call as close to self-sufficient at 21 and a level of independence if any of us remember leaving out of our own homes at the age of 21 and what our families provided us we hope that the, our youth can have those same that same level of independence, but we know at times that can't occur. So when they have the ability to have support around, and as you noted, toiletries as well, some of the basics. And even if it's, and I say the gift cards is a great opportunity because if it's something where they need to gain things such as sheets for their bed, towels mm -hmm. for their bathroom, thing, plates and, and kitchenware, those are often harder to house as they are larger items as we are limited as being a nonprofit, we don't have a lot of storage opportunities so when we can as opposed to those larger donations when we in fact can get a gift card for a youth to be able to go off on their own and make the purchases that tends to be an easier outcome for us for our youth and us collectively um, at times and i'm thinking because i just heard your computer as well at times whenever we take donations of any technology um, at times because our youth will not have an opportunity to have had their own purchase of a computer prior to them leaving our program but if it's a point where we we have partnered up with an agency that has discounted refurbished computers but if anybody has any connections to those services as our youth and all of us are so technologically connected nowadays and we need that that abilities those abilities then um so any form of technology is also a helpful gift to give. Okay. So you're going to be on this panel discussion with yes. me. Yes. Uh, and uh, 
I think Rochelle is yes, going to be the moderator. Yes, Rochelle Dickerson. Rochelle yes. Dickerson, uh, she's going to be the moderator. Yes. And then uh, there's going to be a foster parent, right? Yes, Irene Stevenson. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about Rochelle and uh, Irene? Irene? Yes. Rochelle is actually our clinical supervisor. So she supervises our social workers and our youth resettlement specialist directly. And her role is very critical as she's the one that works with our staff who have the ongoing day-to-day interactions between our youth and families. So when we're talking about any service provisions that are necessary, certainly any what we'll call treatment needs or case management needs. So if a youth is uh, having some challenges through their adjustment and they are, uh, what we will always note is that our youth come from experiences and a life that is fraught with trauma We'll just state that as this as a word, but it is. It, but there are so many layers to that that, in turn, can affect their behavior, affect their interactions, affect their their perspective, their viewpoints, and certainly moving from your home country into a new setting, into a new country, and with a family that will predominantly, I would say, we have a ninety nine percent chance that they will not be speaking your own native language. And then going into a school system that has expectations, there's a lot of adjustment that occurs for our youth. And, and, and to underline the current of trauma, there can be many challenges. So Rochelle's role is always to work with our social workers and youth resettlement specialists to help, in a way, as best we can, mitigate those challenges as she's a clinical supervisor. So they, again, talk about matters around behaviors and around the basics of education, with tutoring involved, job performance, job readiness, financial stability, just the basics of adjustment to a new community, to the sense of diversity, if there's a lack of diversity. So her role has been critical, and she has been a part of the URM team specifically for the past year and a half. She was prior to that the supervisor over our domestic foster care program, and that was a three-year process. So she has had an extent, at this time, she's had extensive experience working with foster care, and she had also been a social worker in foster, working in foster homes. So she has... um, I'm, I greatly appreciate that she's going to be moderating it, and she has a lot of experience of her own. Nice. Irene has been one of our fabulous foster parents for the past two years, um, so I'm looking forward to people who are able to make it out to be able to experience her one-on-one and in a, in a setting as she'll be, as she has been working successfully with two of our young ladies, both from overseas, and she uh, she came to us by way of what we find most of our families they want what they'll say is they've wanted to do something they want to give back in some way she does have some personal experience of her own uh having lived in the soviet union pre-soviet union and so she's she's had some more direct livable experience around working with disadvantaged and and war-torn and other challenged communities that she then coming to the U.S. brought with her and then an ongoing interest to be able to give and and care for others and again she has just done a fabulous job with these two young ladies that have one has actually just turned 21 she just turned 21 last month and is gone off to college is going to remain in her home to be able to continue to reside with her as part of her family Another young lady who is with her is going to be turning 21 in January as well. She's going off to college for her second year this coming fall in, a, in the next few weeks. Um, and that, I would say, is a great testament to Irene and her dedication of making certain that our young people have what they need, not just for the factual, physical needs of the, a roof over their head, food in their stomach, the items in which to get them through day to day, but she has very 
I'll call them intimate to say that she talks to her girls, her young ladies, as they are her own children. She wants to teach them the right way to engage with the world. And now that they're both, one it's turned 21, one is soon to be 21, she is very conscientious and concerted to make certain that she is releasing them into the world as productive as they can be at 21. And again, continue to make their their statement to, to be able to stay with her as well as this one young lady is who just ate what we'll call aged out from mm-hmm. us at 21. She's remaining with Irene. And that's Irene great. is seeing her as that's her daughter and Irene is her mother. You know, there there's some misnomers or some, some misperceptions about foster care and, and being foster parents and you know and one of them is that the the foster parents shouldn't get emotionally connected to the kid because they might only be with them for a short time and we spoke with a guy in wisconsin named matt Raisler from a new family services up there and he was just like adamant kind of speaking with the same kind of passionate tone you have been speaking with and he says, no, we want you to be connected. We right. want you to be emotionally invested. Right. Because that's what these kids need. Right. They need love. Right. And I would say for our unaccompanied refugee minor program, we have a unique niche in that our youth have to come to us before they turn 18, as that's part of the, the, the legal standard. And they can they they have, I know in the district, as we are across the country, or URM programs are across the country, that ours in our jurisdiction can stay till they're 21, which I know many can as well. But we really do have a hope that while it is even is a potential that it may even just be from a youth about to turn 18 to come to us until they turn 21, that is a significant amount of time. And working in domestic foster care is another realm of foster care. There are many more opportunities and needs for families to be reunited and to reconnect with families. So when a youth or a child is removed, Clearly, I can, and I've worked in that arena for 20 of my 22 years of work, that there is definitely a hard, it is hard for families in those settings because it could be a much shorter duration in which they have the youth. But you're absolutely right, Ron. I am a true proponent of not only that the foster family care as, as they are able to, as care as much as they can. As an agency then, we need to be able to support our families through that because when that youth does leave, there is a loss. There's mm-hmm. a loss not only for the youth, certainly, to have left a caring and giving home from that period in a relationship, potentially, but we do know our families are at a loss in that exchange and that, that separation. So it is it behooves us, then, to continue to support them and not just imagine that, oh, another child has left their home, and now let's just give them a new kid. I mean, right. these are relationships yeah. we're talking about. My aunt and uncle are, were foster parents up in the Seattle area for, like, 17 Lovely. years. Uh, and their their old their um, son uh, it was seventeen, and and uh, they had lost a, a daughter um, about six years earlier in a car accident, and so wow. they were facing kind of this empty nest, and so they decided to be foster parents. And they said it's tough when the kids come in and out, and then they return to their their family, family. but then but then they end up coming back to them because right. you know things just aren't right yet. But, uh, right. Um, and we understand the purposes. You know, kinship right. reunification with, with in, in domestic foster care. Right, um, right. But That's why we're unique, I think. It helps those families who want to make a more established connection while the hurdles of a different culture, a different language, a different religion potentially as well are significant for our families to, to make those connections and those strides where often in domestic you're going to a youth will be speaking your same language, may even be of your same faith, and even of your same community. And that's that has more ease to it. It's more likely that that child will leave your home in the domestic 
foster care realm and that's hard in our families it's it's that adjustment they make in the beginning that's that's often the most challenging yet the duration of their relationship can be much more extensive and much more enduring so that actually is very satisfying to our families and our youth by mm-hmm. all means to be able to have a significant relationship that's that's unconditional right so outside of uh coming to the book signing tuesday night from six to eight at busboys and poets in the sherlington location in arlington uh bringing items to donate like we talked about what are some other ways people people can get involved with lssnca well, as you noted, Dana Lee, she does, she Lee does our outreach and extension. So she's always looking for volunteers. And within our program, there are, are, I would have to say, probably the least volunteer opportunities just because we have our foster families and our staff that work so closely. So we would certainly find opportunities if individuals wanted to work with our youth. We would certainly work that out. Yet we do have many opportunities for our adult resettlement program when we're talking about entire families coming to us and volunteer opportunities for individuals, their own families, churches to be able to extend themselves. If it's to, we often request one if a church has a group who would be willing to set up an apartment when we have families come. That's definitely always a need for us to as well maybe do a drive to be able to gain some of the supportive items that a family would need to set up their location at that time, their home, their their apartment. Um, for us, it is always foster families. We are always the one thing that we are always looking at in the, the website of lssnca.org. There is many avenues meaning for our adult resettlement but for our our URM program to be able to then get involved by way of becoming a foster parent so there's an informational that we have informational meetings monthly in our different jurisdictions of Maryland District and Virginia we rotate between those we offer them the training that's necessary the licensure process we go through the whole gamut to have a family become licensed Um, yeah that that is our that's always our our greatest and most consistent need for our urm program is for foster families and you can find them on social media too compassion van with two n's v-a-n-n uh why'd you come up with that by the way you have any idea i unfortunately i was here when i got here oh okay (laughs) (laughs) well well this is a little bit of a preview of what you'll get uh this evening at busboys and poets from six to eight we're going to start with the panel discussion as we talked about and then after that will be book sales and hopefully we'll have a packed house and we can sell a lot of these books and get the word out and and uh people have been telling me i need to think of what i'm going to write in the books but i'll just probably do it on the fly (laughs) so but all right, Jennifer. Well, thank you very much for joining the Home Run on Wheels podcast, and uh, we're going to have a good time Tuesday. Absolutely. Thank you, Ron. <laughs>